Am I too boomy? You're always going to be too boomy. everybody welcome to the bull and the badger this is just the badger i almost said bull because i'm bad at this but um yes it's it's just badger in norcal land um i've heard recently it called snorcal which i thought was a good addition but unfortunately i'm talking to two norcalers one former angelino who used to like love la but now she doesn't so that's fine we have tension yeah yeah we're talking about (laughs) you and um here they are um what 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 did you call yourself chris nishikubo and julie saying um we could go by that yeah that's gonna work (laughs) so um chris and julie are very good friends chris i met in undergrad um on an elevator, ironically, because we ended up living on the same floor. And then Julie, um, we roomed together in grad school. Um, I'd like to take credit for all of your happiness right now. Like, whatever you're doing together, great. But I'm the one who brought you together, so you're welcome. I, I don't usually, like, flaunt it in their faces. Um, but sometimes people do it for me, which is weird. I don't understand that. But um, can you... Can you go ahead and introduce yourselves and um, tell me how hot it is today? Well, my name's Chris. Nishikubo. Yeah, Chris Nishikubo sang. <laughs> <laughs> it is like egg frying on the floor hot today. Have you tried it? Have you ever tried to fry an egg on the ground? I haven't, no. I think that's I feel, something that we should actually do. But it's such a waste of food, though. And it... But for science, Chris, for science. <laughs> I know, I know. We won't tell any of our Chinese relatives that we did that because that's who would shame us. Everybody else would cheer us, but that's exactly what I'm thinking, though. It's the culture. <sighs> You're right. But You're it's right. about 107 outside, I think. Yeah. Wait, what was it supposed to be? Like, because in San Jose it said 109. I was like, peace out, San Jose. <laughs> um, what did it? What was it going to be for Santa Clara? I think the max is at 107, and it's about 3 p.m. or so, right? So. That is the max. Peak melting time. Peak egg frying time. Julie, hello. Hello. How hot is it, Julie? Well, my name is Julie, and (laughs) it's very hot today. Hotter than Los Angeles. Hotter than Los Angeles. Give us a metaphor. Hotter than cold. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like winter will never come because it's so hot. Such that my palms are sweaty. Are you wiping them off in your dress right now? But that may be just because I'm nervous. <laughs> no. Are you a, swe- a palm sweater? Because April's totally a palm sweater. Apparently yeah. I'm a palm sweater. Oh my gosh. Only when I do podcasts. So, um, by the way, uh, this is part of the reason why Julie's here is because April is not my, um, the bull part of the bull and the badger um, to kind of be my INFJ, like bring it back home kind of um, speaker um, for various reasons, which we'll go into. But um this is this is good news that you're a palm sweater. I feel like we're kind of replicating the same circumstances. You know, April never likes to hear her voice, so that is also a thing. Um, what else? You're both INFJs. 
she loves the world of counseling and you're in social work. I don't know. There's a lot going on here that's good. Also, she hates the heat. I'm not sure if I know anybody who actually likes it, though. So we should find these people. Do we they should. exist? Nobody knows. Um, <clears throat> okay. Well, um, so I've, I've gathered us here today. And we're actually sitting... <laughs> We're sitting in a hotel room because it's so hot in all of the South Bay. Like, literally, they're, they're, an alert went out on our phones. Like, it's like, where were you when you got the emergency alert that there was going to be extreme heat? Like, I was sitting at work, and then I hear beep, beep, you know. And then your friend got one in, like, three different languages. It's three languages, yeah. I mean, it was hot for all the peoples in all the languages. I totally agree. But, um... <laughs> um uh i think yeah i wanted to meet at your house obviously because um so if you haven't yet seen my documentary which is a very good probability because i haven't been able to distribute it in a way that's actually meaningful and for a wider audience to see so working on that but um other than that chris is one of the people that I interviewed on my documentary. And very early on, I I had the idea. I had already thought about him. I had written him in. And I remember, you don't know this, Chris, we had to pitch ideas for our different doc ideas. And this was the beginning of class. So I started talking about like all the characters. And then I got to you and I started talking about like why I wanted to interview you because we've just had a lot of conversations mm -hmm. that are like deeper and more about like emotional things and not like just like... Just anime, which lately it's been just anime, which is totally fine. But, um, like, I started crying, actually. Oh. Yeah, sometimes I still get a little bit emotional thinking about Ken. And that's, it was kind of weird, mostly because, like, obviously he's not my brother. But, like, mm -hmm. during that time, it was all obviously very meaningful. So, anyway, so um, Chris was in my doc, and, and, and part of... Um, the idea of bringing our dirty laundry here. I wanted to do it at Chris's house because we filmed there twice. So Chris was generous enough to give me like two really long interviews and both of them I think spanned two days, right? Yeah, I think it were full weekends. Oh God, yeah. it was so much. And I think both of those times my car had some kind of car trouble, right? Yeah, but it was in the winter, so it was actually cool then <laughs> yeah it wasn't like we were sweating while we were talking poor Anne. i had to interview her like in the fall of la which was obviously the fall in la is like still really really hot but we're gonna pretend this is your house um which is also at some point going away like all things change all things are seasonal i specifically gathered us here today to talk about the subject of brothers um Earlier this season, I got to talk to Anna Kana about sisters, and I think it's only fair to do one on brothers. Because um, I have a brother. Um, yeah. You have a brother, and you had two brothers. And then Julie has zero brothers. <laughs> but she's kind of inherited some brothers, right? Brother-in-laws. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, two brothers-in-laws. Brothers <laughs> how, how is this word said? Brother-in-laws. Brothers-in-laws. Sla. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. It's working. Um... Julie, what do you remember about me filming? I'm curious because, like, you have the most outside perspective. Because the first time I didn't even talk to you. You weren't even, like, you were just kind of, like, interested in Chris. Yeah, we weren't dating yet. That's yeah. Right. Well, I remember it was really cold. Really? And I was kind of sitting out in the living room. 
and there were so many couches in your living room for some reason. So I was sitting on one of, I don't know, six couches. I was running a hostel. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you were, you were. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. And then Chris and Vanessa were in one of the rooms and I could kind of hear different sound checks now and then, like Chris singing or Vanessa saying random things and I was wondering what was going on. Are you sure that was in the interview? I'm pretty I mean, sure it might have been. Chris was singing in the interview. It might have been the interview. Or was watching like old family videos of me singing when I was a, a little boy. <laughs> That's adorable. Still to this day, <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Which is why we have to convince Kim to go karaoke with us. I'm just saying. She's going to hate it. What was it like the second time around? The second time was when, when I was interviewing you, right? Or like I was... Well, yes, I mean, you were interviewing I was interviewing <laughs> <laughs> I like how she just went straight for it. Because it's true. Right? I was like, Julie, I need your help because I have trouble talking to myself. Like I'd been doing all these monologues, right? And yeah. They, they were terrible. <laughs> like literally I was like talking to the camera and I was like trying to like do like MTV confessional. And I was like, you're saying nothing about nothing. Well, I remember... We were sitting in the room and then there's like the light shining in your face and then you're like, you know, everybody's like looking at you. But somehow I remember when I was talking to you, it was like, it was like, it was just us. What? It was really? just like you and me. We right. in the room talking. Kind yeah. How that feels? Yeah. I remember that. That's oh. really cool. I know. Even though I was probably sweating. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Bonded yeah. by your sweat. That's good. Mm-hmm. It's true. The sweat, sweat was. Sweat bonding. Mm. Uh, <laughs> everyone like made had regrets after that we were like this is a good we'll idea be, no we'll be heavily editing this episode <laughs> perfect that's how it should be um just kidding all raw all raw it's going straight to tape oh, and then live <laughs> oh no um so chris what do you what do you remember about that like those two experiences i mean a lot happened before each of those experiences, yes. I think. So a lot of life changes. Um, I don't know how ready I was to talk about it at that time, but I think just jumping into it was a very, I guess, healing and, I guess, uh, eye-opening experience. I think I learned a lot about myself during that time. Is it's not something I really think about too much. I tend to compartmentalize things and not bring them up. You know, you can, the digger, or the digger, the bigger a hole you dig. <laughs> Here's your shovel. <laughs> yeah, the deeper the hole you dig, you know, you, you can, I can put those thoughts down there and mm. keep them like covered with dirt for as long as I can. So it's something that we talked about, I remember in our interviews, um, that idea of kind of like escaping. Um, but, I guess it never like really made it. What's funny? I need to know like right now. <laughs> We're I'm still thinking about wrong ways to say what Chris was trying to say. <laughs> the digger, the big hole. Oh, it took a few big. trials, but I'm sure that she'll piece together the yeah, like, beginnings yeah. and ends of different words that I said to make yeah. a coherent sentence. No, this is totally going to work out. <laughs> You were laughing so hard you were crying. I, <laughs> I thought you were getting emotional about what I'm he was just, talking I'm about. I'm a lot of emotions. I'm really hot and I'm, <laughs> I'm really are nervous. Hot? Are you hot because you're nervous or are you hot because you're hot? 
Probably both. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. Okay, well, we'll get through it. Hopefully. We'll get through it. But you can repeat your question if you want. No, there were no, no questions. No, there's no question. All right. Well, though, it was, um, you had mentioned that <clears throat> you went through a lot in both stages. And if it's easier, like, I can talk a little bit about my brother and then we can kind of mm. go more into your brothers. And um, so I have a brother, a younger brother, um, who's two years younger than me. And he actually just got married, which was super exciting. And I think we've talked a little bit about it. But I was... Um, I guess surprisingly emotional about the whole thing because I think mm. my relationship with my brother has changed a lot over the years. Um, I mean, in thinking about like kind of funny stories about my brother, um, and you have to share all your funny stories because I think you have a lot of funny stories with your brothers, but like um, I remember the time he like bit me on my what? stomach. <laughs> yeah so we've we've given as good as we gotten like we weren't like tussling a lot but like he definitely bit me on the stomach because he was so mad about something oh. and i had like a bruise like oh no yeah. what did you do i forget but we were like fighting on the stairs about something and he just bit me <laughs> wow. and it wasn't like he was five he was probably like seven or eight and i was 10 and um and then i kicked him right in the in the nads oh, once wow. yeah, and i no. was super grounded i've never been so grounded in my yeah, life i don't know if that's an equivalent no it's not retaliation. No. and you know as a girl you don't really understand no yeah you have no idea yeah. but it makes me think of my cousins when they first learned about that <gasps> like they started trying to punch us <gasps> like they're like they're really young yeah and i don't know they just try to go for it like every time they saw us we're like why yeah. <laughs> what are you trying to do gonna... why were they trying to murder you yeah you're basically. gonna get really hurt if you actually hit us i once bit a girl <laughs> in the forehead what but it was an accident well in no fifth it wasn't grade, in fifth grade there was this girl and i was pushing her on the swings and then <laughs> i think better i think i was like <laughs> laughing with my mouth open like ha ah. and then as she swung back towards me, I like swung my head forward and then <coughs> I bit her. Does that, I don't know if that makes That's sense, amazing but... though, because it was just like, yeah. just the perfect angle. Because if yeah. you think about your forehead, it's really, like there's nothing to grip onto. Like if you yeah. think about somebody's cheek, like it there's some. exactly like fed into my did open she, mouth. Did she cry? Are you guys still friends? I mean, we got through it. Does she have a permanent scar on her head? I hope not. <laughs> she totally does, and she's very resentful. Oh, no. Like, she's Facebook stalks you to see if there's an opportunity I'm where like, you're on a swing. on the name of her, on her list. Her she's going to have names. A list of I'm names. On, <laughs> on digging, or bigger, digger, bigger. Digging. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's lots of times. Wait, have you ever tussled with your sister, Julie? Not physically. Just emotionally. With, with, <laughs> your, with your words. Like you're, I don't you're like even think verbally sparring all the time. Tussles have even happened. My sister and I are very harmonious. Probably more so than most siblings. But it's only because she's a really great big sister. If you're listening, Val, shout out to my big sister. <laughs> I'm so disappointed in you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> For that shout out. You're not allowed to, like, fully love your siblings at, like, 100%. There has to be conflict, Julie. Yeah, no conflict. Nope. Get out. No no jealousy or anything like that? (laughs) No, just, yeah, she's she's always been a good big sister. 
She always supports me. I'm kicking you off this podcast. I know. <laughs> this, is not a, this is not good material. <laughs> All right, back to brothers. <laughs> okay, so talking about my brother who just got married, um, I think the wedding was emotional, um, as I mentioned, because we, we went through some ups and downs. And like when he was a teenager, there was a lot of conflict. Like I hated his friends because I thought they were little punks and he was a little punk. But like there were times when like, even though he like you might not be in agreement or you might not be getting along at that point like if somebody like from the outside tried to like make fun of him like i remember this woman like saying his hair was too long it was immediately like you know you stick up for him like you just go like get out of her face like you know um yeah there's just like a lot of i felt protective of him even though i feel like for a lot of his life he didn't need protection Hmm. um because he was just like He's a really different kind of individual who, like, pursued a lot more, like, like, risky sports. Like, he was into skateboarding and he was into um, street hockey. And then once he got into football, he got, like, really disciplined and really, like, into certain things. And he was, like, a leader in the church and stuff like mm. that. And and that's when I was kind of like, oh, you know, like, he's different. And then when he got into college, like, he was at SDSU. And, like, it was it was a lot more – there was a lot less tension and so I think from there, when we were kind of more adult, like, and he was also more thoughtful about our family, which I thought was really interesting because we'd have discussions about how we were thankful for our family and, and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. I've never asked him where that change came from. Yeah, he was just really mature and thoughtful. And like, I would see him like in the way that he treated my mom, like very respectfully. Like I was like, huh, hmm. you know, like. And then we we got into conversations like when he moved into um, like he kind of like wandered a little bit career wise. But then when he found social work for himself, like I felt like, yay, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> shout out to social work. <laughs> social work, shout out, social work, shout outs. Um, he uh, he really developed like strong emotional language like mm-hmm. and we were able to kind of have more, I would say, like. I wouldn't say they're like vulnerable conversations, but it was kind of like we were able to talk about harder things like about family because he he had at that point seen my doc and known that I'd been depressed. And like we talked about, I don't know, just like a lot more things as if we were friends because before we'd never been friends. Like that's a weird concept for me, like to be friends with like my parents or friends with like my siblings. Like some people are like such good friends with their family members. And I'm kind of like, you know, like I've always thought of ourselves as kind of very separate individuals and totally comfortable with that because we're all adults, but we're, we have this common bond and like, there's some things about us that are like all like, I sometimes I'm like fear going out to restaurants with my family because we're all really critical (laughs) of the food. Uh If you like choose wrong, it's like, it's on you. Yeah. It's like, why did you bring us to this Asian fusion terrible place? And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> it had good reviews on Yelp. But it's like, we can't trust Yelp. You only trust family. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but during the wedding, like, he was saying that one of the ways that early on that he learned to love was because of my grandma. Oh. You know, and like, just like, eh, eh. You know, like, just like such a mature, like, gentleman thing to say, you mm-hmm. know. And so... There's all these things that I feel like um, I'm proud of my brother and I'm proud to say he's my brother. And same with my sister. Um, But she was always kind of like, uh, somebody said like 13 going on 30, right? Like she was always very mature, very take charge. And I think when my brother, like it felt like he came into his own and he was probably always like that. He was always kind of like, 
like an undercover leader, it's just harder to see when you're not in proximity or like, hmm. or it feels like, like he's not using his potential. I think when he got bad grades, like me and my sister just naturally knew we were supposed to like get really good grades. But if he didn't try as hard, it was like he wasn't being his potential and it made my parents upset. He would say, yeah, but my friends get C's and they get paid for that. And we're like, we don't pay for C's. Like, what? <laughs> like <laughs> that's, that's for white people. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah, I said it. I know my brother always well, my brother Ken would always say like C is equal degrees you know and that's how he go that's how he went through college actually because he was oh. he was busy having fun you know in oh. college but in so. high school it wasn't like that um and I think at the beginning of high school he tried pretty hard and toward the end he found this game called Civilization and he <laughs> spent tons of hours playing that just Are to just to make sure he can defeat all the other civilizations you know oh my goodness is this like Dungeons and Dragons but like Risk um it's more like risk i guess it's like this real or not real time it's this turn-based strategy game where you just go and you build up technologies you start from like a settler and you build all the way up to like like the manhattan project basically whoa yeah are you pretty crazy are you supposed to like is this supposed to be like a week-long thing like you know how some um they don't call them missions what do they call them in dungeons and dragons like journeys or something they have some kind of like specific name for like each time they like play a certain character on a certain like board or something like that right i don't think there's a continuation like once you finish the game you you could start all over with like a brand new leader or something so you can't develop a character from and bring him into another game oh okay well i mean that's still pretty cool um what what was it like um between you and your brothers when you guys were kids were you guys like friends when you guys were kids or did you like, tolerate each other yeah we were friends for the most part i think our lives um revolved around cartoons and video games a lot mm. so when when we watch cartoons in the morning joseph would wake us up like at 6 a.m like, rush all the all of us would rush down with our blankets you know Wait, why was jo- joseph the first up i don't know he i think he had like a cartoon that started at 6 a.m that he had to watch like oh every morning God. this i need to yeah. know what this cartoon was Yeah, i don't know what it was because we had to find out and buy it for his birthday which just passed <laughs> it might have been running warriors or happy something. birthday joseph it, oh yeah happy it's birthday, done it's joseph. belated it is belated <laughs> <laughs> julie's all trying to contribute and we're like shutting her down <laughs> i've actually I just turned off her mic and she doesn't I felt know like i hadn't said something in a while so i thought i'd just <laughs> I couldn't comment on the Dungeons and Dragons. No, what good call. Way to come in there with that slip. <laughs> Just slip it in. Well, yeah, um, so in the mornings we would watch cartoons. But in the, the other thing was video games. And we only had like a Super Nintendo, which was two mm, players. Mm-hmm. So one of us was always left out at the time. Oh, no. And we would rotate. And Ken and I would always pick on Joseph. And we would tell Joseph. <laughs> I mean, that's not funny. Yeah, I know. We'd play like Mario, for example. We'd tell him to go jump down this hole because it, <gasps> it would warp him somewhere else. So he'd kill himself faster so we can play sooner it's really sad yeah it's pretty sad i feel bad about it now (laughs) do you though do you wait i got a lot more game time but i think joseph maybe that is what drove joseph to play video games so much today so i actually helped him become even better at video games he's awesome at video games yeah (laughs) positive reframe he's pretty amazing at video games (laughs) I wonder, like, do you think, like, while you and Ken were, like, off going out, like, um, in high school, which we'll get to, like, (laughs) do you think he, um, do you think he, like, spent his time getting better at video games so he could defeat you? 
That's probably a possibility. We should confront him about this. Yeah, I think he made more friends than me in anyway, so he's probably more <laughs> occupied anyway. Was he like, he was a super popular guy, right? Yeah, I think he knew how to initiate and make friends. So he was always good at that. I always think of him as kind of quiet guy, though. Surprisingly, but he's always the person who kind of like rallies a bunch of, who at least the friends he, he's already made. Yeah, I don't know if he like is continuously growing his friend circle today. Is he the one who always gets like, you know, like Rio and all them together? I think so. Yeah, he usually invites people to things. So I was always bad at that. But he was an example to me in that way. Oh, I've never, you know, I don't think about that. But yeah, definitely like younger siblings can influence us. Julia knows nothing about that because she's the youngest. I know nothing. No, nothing. (laughs) You know. Jon Snow? (gasps) Exactly like that. (laughs) Exactly like Jon Snow. Those are my favorite memes, I think. Although Um, he had a lot of brothers. Or did he? Did he? (laughs) No, we can't reveal. Oh, no, I keep doing it. (laughs) No, um, yeah. But, you know, Rob. Rob and Sword of Theon and Bran. And now they're all losers. Only Jon Snow wins. Bastards win. Um, what are we even talking about? I don't know podcast done i think we were talking about brothers yeah. no we're not uh, which is the theme of the podcast are you doing a jingle <laughs> podcast jingle <laughs> by julie nishikubo it's, it's getting worse do, 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 do. uh what do you have any questions about uh joseph chris and ken when they were young julie like do you do you have any burning questions like now that you 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 knew chris now that i'm on the spot <laughs> Now's the time. We get to interrogate him. Do you want to think about it? I'll think about it. Yeah. She's going to come back Excellent. and she's going to ask really mind-blowing questions and all mine are going to seem really like lame because they're about video games. Oh, I have one. Oh. So this goes out to all the middle children here as an Both older Vanessa sibling and, and younger sibling. Oh. So do you find that in the past or now your relation, like you have a relationship with your older sibling or younger sibling and it's almost like compartmentalized as like I am the younger sibling to you and I am the older sibling to you like you take on a certain role in your relationship with either sibling yeah I think both relationships were were different I think my relationship with with Ken my older brother shaped my relationship with Joseph my younger brother um Ken would I think growing up, Ken wouldn't invite me to a lot of things, mm. and I didn't want, <laughs> I didn't think that was right, and I uh, therefore invited Joseph to like everything that that oh. I would do when we go Starting out. Starting at what point? Uh, I think this was when Ken was in high school. I remember um, one time they were playing um, uh, Super Nintendo, and I got really bad because they wouldn't let let me play and mm. i had used all my allowance money to buy the super nintendo oh wow so can convince me to do that you know being the older brother oh <laughs> so he was a leader in that sense like sure, really yeah. um charismatic and convincing <laughs> yeah making me part with my money but <laughs> so i i got really angry and i unplugged the super nintendo and <gasps> ran away with it whoa <laughs> you're so yeah, rebellious yeah you know, and I guess that forced him to actually talk and and do other things, <laughs> but yeah, that that was 
something that I was like always bitter with Ken about, like growing up at least. And it's something that shaped the way I, I guess, developed my relationship with Joseph. Did you think about that? Like, as you were like, did you consciously do that? You're like, I'm not going to be like the way that, uh, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> oh, you didn't hear it? No, I, a throat noise. Yeah. Gonna, oh. You know, when you drink something and yeah. it like, comes it's like, 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 like a, <laughs> oh. I wasn't sure if that was you making the noise or your throat making that noise. It was all of me. All it's of her me and her. makes all the noise. Throat. No. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna stop. Um, my question was, oh yeah, were you? Did you consciously try to do things differently than Ken with Joseph? I don't think it was that conscious. Yeah, it was. It was just more about like what's right and wrong. I think in my mind. Oh, but, you had internalized it. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think part of that like goes out to like how my parents' relationship was going at the time too. Like how what was right and wrong there. Also, I forgot if I talked about this in the doc at all about wanting to be very different than my dad. Like mm. realizing like he was doing all these things wrong and never wanting to be like that. Mm. So, I think so that, that was more conscious though. That was very conscious, yeah. Yeah, so I think this, maybe it was running on the coattails of that. Mm. Were you about like 10 or 12 around then? Or was it, because Ken mm. was in high school, so you were... Yeah, three years younger schooler. than him, so when's high school, 16 or something? Or No, 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 no. 14, 14 is ninth grade. Oh. Yeah, so maybe I was 11 huh. around there. Yeah, so much sticks around from middle school. Yeah. Supposedly you're forming all these like neurons and you know stuff like that where your morals and kind of you know where i feel like i feel like that's where all my deficiencies like all the 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 insecurities that i had in middle school like they just stick around that's not that's not a fun prospect by the way um so um thank you julie oh i guess i could answer the question as the middle child i feel like um because trevor is a boy he's 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 male like it was a different relationship we actually used to like play with a lot of toys together like you know we'd both be watching the same cartoons and like natalie because she's four years older like um she was kind of very separate and she 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 treated me very differently um than she treated trevor obviously because you know we're both female and he's male but um so I'm not sure how much of the way that Natalie and I interacted actually influenced Trevor. I probably wanted a better relationship with him, but then sometimes the two of them would gang up on me. And like, I was like, I'm alone. I'm the middle child. So like, uh, I, I, when we talk about middle children and feeling like middle children, it's more like in a general sense. Like I've never felt like that from my parents, but like as siblings, I feel like kind of the left out one. So like, cause they both like, I always associate them as the street smart people. Like, they were the ones who were really, like, you know, like, street smart. Like, they both, like, went into um, frats and sororities. And, like, I was like, I'm a nerd. I wasn't saying it, but I was definitely a nerd. Like, you know, I loved to read books. And I was, like, I would sit and read during recess. Like, you know, yeah, I was that kid. I mean, like, I had friends and stuff like that, but, like, sometimes I'd be like, I'm really interested in this book, and I'm just going to sit here and read it. (laughs) Um, And then, like, you know, like, in college, like, I was in AACF, which is its own kind of fraternity, right? But, um, you know, like, it's it's a very, like, 
faith-based, you know, like they were part of the Greek life and that was very different, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, maybe, maybe like it influenced me in a way that I don't realize, which is like to have, yeah, like a friendship or something where now that we're both adults, we treat each other like adults, like, hmm. like equal partners in something. Cause I think before it was more either a protective or more, um, not patronizing, but I still felt like I'm his older sister. I'm supposed to like protect him in these things, you know, now I feel like it's more equalized, you know, um, cause especially cause I feel like he's making like decisions for his family now. Like he's married and like he, um, he does, he just does things that seem really prudent. Like he's saved a lot of money and I think he's way better than that at me. So yeah, there's a lot of respect for that guy. Hmm. Don't tell him I told you that. We were kind of just talking about you guys growing up, and it was a lot about cartoons and video games. And then what do you think it became? Like, what do you, like, once you guys progressed from there, what what was the nature of the relationship? Um, I think Ken was always a bit more aggressive than, than Joseph and I, and he would always kind of get us to grow up faster in a way. What do you mean aggressive? Um... I feel like Joseph and I were a bit more like, I don't know, laid back maybe. Um, I guess there was, and there was always a lot of conflict between my, my dad and Ken. So I think Uh he was forced to grow up faster. His friends would always say that he was the one who had experienced everything. So people would go to him for advice all the time. He was, he was a perpetual big brother, like to like everybody he met, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. People looked up to him. So as, as did I, you know, mm-hmm. he was really, maybe he was more of a father figure um, than my dad was at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he would always, I think he would often tell me like what was right and wrong actually. Huh. So he had more of a moral compass than my dad did, to mm. be honest. Yeah. What were the things that you felt you really took from Ken in, in those moments? Cause I think later on there were other things that you took, but like when you were in high school, what were those things? Uh, when I was in high school. When he started becoming your father figure, I guess. Oh, there was one time at church. Um, I think for some reason I was on um, like dishwashing duty and I had never washed dishes in my life because I guess I'm spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> but Ken saw that I was like on the dishwashing duty and like all the old grandma or not the, all the aunties and everything. The pawpaws and yeah, aunties, yeah. They're like trying to get me to do this i had no idea how to do it and ken was ken pretty much like took charge and was like no no don't make him do it you know i'll i'll handle this and i'll i'll show him how to do it at some other point you know so he took a lot of pressure off me at that point and yeah he did a lot of things he taught me how to like um slow dance for dances later and stuff too yeah Wait, so. wait, was this a moment where, like, what was the song that he, like, showed you how to slow dance to? <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> no, it was definitely <laughs> not that song. <laughs> it wasn't that one. But you <laughs> definitely <laughs> learned that on piano, right? No, I didn't. I didn't. I, I only played classical music on piano. Oh, I wasn't okay. allowed to play anything else in our house. Oh. Yeah. 
Not even in secret, you were like learning no. Casey no and JoJo. music for you. No, no, I wasn't like Joseph, <laughs> who play, who learned to play like Pocahontas theme songs and stuff. So, yeah, I never got to that point. Sorry, that's alright. I I did piano for like a Q month. Cue colors of the wind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we at least know the lyrics. I feel like that's important. It's important. Right? Yeah. If you're like a wolf, you have to howl to the blue corn blue corn moon. Dang it. Sounds like blue porn moon. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay, okay. So, um, so I mean, you mentioned moral compass, and and the two examples that you gave were, um, like life lessony, but not like maybe moral mm-hmm. choices. So, um, the first was like kind of like, well, how to how to wash dishes, right? But he also like kind of stepped in for you at that moment too, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, that was cool, but. I guess expanding on the moral stuff, mm-hmm. right? I think he was like, Chris, don't have sex in in high school. It's not worth it, <laughs> basically, right? So, like, that was he was speaking from his own experiences, you know? So, he, I, I think I, I followed that for the most part, so. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, like, was, it's interesting that he was so, like, explicit. I think I remember things like my sister, like, kind of giving me, like, tips on how to dress she's like shirts should not go below this line or above this line i was like whoa okay like and i was like taking notes and stuff like you that. stopped wearing midriff shirts yeah i know no more belly buttons <laughs> <laughs> and then i took out my belly button ring <laughs> that'd be terrible if i had one Ugh, gross anyway this so it's a safe space it's okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna start crying over my belly button ring that never happened so making my blinds on me julie get out <laughs> i feel like i've been kicked off of this episode like <laughs> three or four times now. my mic's been shut off and... yeah no it's definitely not recording your voice oh, no. this is actually the fourth take now. <laughs> <laughs> my mic's a placebo no <laughs> you know like placebo oh yeah like we actually. actually had somebody like that on a worship team where his mic wasn't plugged no, in. No, that's so sad. <laughs> it wasn't, that I mean, really it wasn't my decision and I was never part of the worship team. I just heard about this. I was like, oh, makes sense. Because it's like, they want to like honor, like, yeah, anybody can join, but unplugged. Mm. Yeah, different that's definition rough. of unplugged. Um, but I do have another example. Yeah, I want to hear it. Uh, I think so. I think this was in middle school for Ken. He was telling me about some guy, I won't name him, had punched him in the head in, Whoa. in the, on the playground in middle school. Wait, the guy punched Ken, Ken in, in the, the head. head? Yeah. And Ken, you know, was furious or whatever, but he taught me to take the higher road in that case. So he didn't fight back and he just like let him hit him in the head. And even though Ken was bigger than this guy, he's, he was a pretty bulky guy in high, in even middle school, I think. Mm. He was really so, tall. Yeah, he was tall. He's taller than me. I think he was like six two. Maybe. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I thought about that, and I I think if I were him, I I probably would have fought back mm. that at that point. But he learned. He helped me to learn to have some self control in that sense. So one thing that I think about when thinking about. Ken and some of the ways he's impacted you like like Ken life lessons mm-hmm. I guess so do you have a list is there <laughs> like a top like five it. apparently no t- just one oh, okay just one so sometimes when things happen and then so I'm I can be kind of an anxious person or I worry a lot and then 
Chris sometimes tells me like, you know, it's, it's only blank. Like it's only not like in a minimizing way, but just kind of like a perspective way. Mm. And it reminds me of a story that you told about Ken where, yeah, like you had, uh, you were like getting gas at a gas station, right? And then. Oh, it was actually, should I tell it or you want to tell it? You can tell it. Okay. So I think we were going to like a nice dinner, like at POE's in San Diego with his friends and he had invited me and I didn't have any like dressy clothes or anything like that. Oh, right. So I had um, borrowed his like favorite pair of shoes, <gasps> right? But, I uh, that I was going to change into. So I had accidentally left the pair of shoes on top of the car and we had drove it, driven off and, and I was like, where are my shoes? I don't see them in the, like in this footwell or whatever. And we were like, oh shoot, let's go back and because uh, I remember putting them on the on top of the car, and when we went back, they were gone, right? Yeah. And at that point, Ken was like, um, you know, they're they're just a, they're just shoes. Don't worry about it. You know. So I thought about that, and that really, you know, shaped how I whether or not I clung to things. You know, so mm. it was easier to let go of things. Maybe, maybe he was preparing me for something. What? Are we gonna come back to that? <laughs> no. I mean, just like him. Him leaving himself, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I mean now that we're here, let's talk about it. Okay, sure. Um, you know, and I think we obviously got to talk a little bit. I just open and close the cabinet for some reason. We got to talk about it um, on the documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, for the people who haven't heard the documentary. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of just summarize really quickly. Well, please do. And then, and then we can jump more into <clears throat> direct experiences. So um, I got to meet Ken in uh, first year of college. And he, as I mentioned before, he had been a big part of our freshman year experience where he was driving us around and that was awesome. And like, um, I don't, I don't, I definitely didn't go to that dinner, but I remember going to Sushi Oda with him in Pacific Beach. And it was like one of the best sushi dinners in my life and like it's still one of my favorite restaurants in um san diego and that will always be like something that he was a part of and mm-hmm. he was just a much better driver than one of the other people who was kind of like babysitting us because like we had a lot of like big brothers and big sisters when we went to ucsd and i think we were really lucky in that sense but then mm-hmm. um i always enjoyed like um ken taking us around i was like oh ken's gonna drive us yeah you know like and then we got to visit his his place and i think we even met his girlfriend at some point yeah most likely probably um but i think um i don't know i don't know if i want to basically uh yeah i feel weird summarizing it do you want to can you break down kind of like what what happened? happened yeah yeah so this was in 2004, so our junior year of college, mm. I was coming back from <clears throat> spring break and Ken had gone to Vegas and um, I had asked him earlier to give me, to pick me up from the, from the airport and, and he was supposed to. And when I landed, I tried calling him and mm. he didn't pick up and tried calling him a couple more times, he didn't pick up. So I ended up calling another friend, one of my roommates at the time who was coming in later than me to... Or, or he was busy, but I was able to get a ride from him, and um, uh, I was worried, of course, because Ken wasn't picking his phone up. And it wasn't until later that I got a call from a like a detective at that time, um, 
And Ken had passed away in a, in a car accident. Um, the car had rolled over, and he had been ejected out of the out of the car. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just happened so fast. And at that time, I, you know, I was in shock. I actually called my mom and told them, and I told Ken's girlfriend at the time too. Mm-hmm. And all those things were now thinking back as pretty crazy to to do that to announce mm-hmm. this type of news to someone but I felt like it was my duty to tell tell these people I even called his work to tell tell them wow yeah and I don't know it was it's I don't know, there's just a lot to think about that happened that day it was I, I think at that time I was like excited to see him and like ready to see him you had mentioned i think in the i don't know if it's in the documentary but i remember Mm -hmm. the interview you had gotten a really great grade in a specific class that you weren't doing so hot in before and you wanted to tell ken right yeah i think so yeah i think i had like doubled down and studied a lot that year Mm -hmm. or that quarter or something because i was coming back from like a a not as good quarter Mm -hmm. And it was, I think it was one of the harder classes that we both knew of because we were the same major in double E. <clears throat> but yeah, I think I remember like even like going to, to ranch, 99, 99 ranch that day. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you for that correction. <laughs> I don't know which way it is really, but I had like bought all these ingredients to make like, um, linguine with clams or in clam sauce or something oh. like that. At 99 Ranch? Um, I think I bought clams there. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I was like, sorry. I didn't buy other things. This is important there. clarification. Yeah, just clams there, <laughs> but not everything else, you know. This is like focused on like wrong things here. Sorry. I also refer to myself as a third person. Yeah. <laughs> Go just on. to help people realize that I'm not disgusting with my ingredients. <laughs> yeah, but like weenie from like. Yeah. Anyway, so, so you had but, bought all that food. Yeah, in terms, I, I think it was like maybe like a celebration dinner. I think I was I, I was still worried at the time, but I thought maybe his like you know his cell phone had died or something. He just mm-hmm. wasn't getting back to me, and yeah, it wasn't until late that night that I got that phone call from the detective. Um, actually, it was from sorry, it was from one of Ken's friends who told me to call the detective, and he he wouldn't tell me what had happened. He told oh, me no. to call the detective. I guess he didn't he definitely didn't want to break the news to me. Wow. So, yeah. And just that whole week was a whirlwind because I went back to Stockton for the funeral too, right. um, and I dropped out of a couple classes because it was just too much. I mean, yeah. I still finished. I still took like two classes, and I tried to take it really easy. But yeah, it was. It really was getting like getting hit with the sack of bricks because, I mean, in that week I had to go through all of his stuff and try to find a suit that would fit him and just like seeing all the different things in his room. And, oh yeah. yeah. I remember. Yeah. I kind of remember that vaguely mostly cause there's all this music <clears throat> that you inherited from him, you know, like, yeah. like going through his hard drives and stuff. And, um, I think, yeah, it was kind of, um, a really intense period for yeah um not yeah for your family you know for all your friends and for ken's mm-hmm. ken's loved ones and stuff like that and 
Sorry, what were you going to say, Julie? I was just going to say it's hard when you lose a loved one and then you're processing everything and you're kind of in shock and then you have all these logistical things you have to do, mm-hmm. like planning for the funeral or just, you know, things that you kind of have to put yourself in autopilot mode to just like get through it and then comes your own like grieving process too yeah after that yeah so i mean speaking of the grieving process i don't think i really processed it till like months later because hmm. i was i felt like i was heading up all the i guess logistics um with most of it yeah it was it was pretty crazy at that time but i mean I guess there's always a silver lining, though. I, I got to see, like, all the different friends he impacted in his life. Like, I remember going... Remember that um, memorial service at UCSD in Remac? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, standing by the door and watching all the people, like, flood in. It's like, there's a line out the door with people. That was awesome. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I feel like we were... Or, not you and me, but like um, some of the AACF people were standing in the back and I was standing with them. It was just mm-hmm. like, you know, all these people had come out and all wearing black. And, you know, like just the impact that he had in AFIO and stuff like that. You know, I think it was just really apparent. And then like, yeah, a lot of that legacy, like we even talk about like, you know, the memories <laughs> that you have with you and him and Joseph and your family. Like they're really strong memories. And mm-hmm. I wonder... You know, like, like I don't know how often you revisit that like time in your life, but I'm wondering if your memories or your your view of that time has changed. Because I think, like, most of the time, like, you think, okay, you know, he passed, and then your emotions during that time, and then you having to go into um, as Julie mentioned, autopilot to like work everything out and like make everything, make sure everything's set. Like, you know, make sure. Did you have to coordinate like have, having his um his body sent back um to NorCal? Um, I think my my parents actually had to figure out like how to get that over there because the body was actually in. I think oh, that sent back to Vegas, right? Yeah. So they had to identify it after. Yeah. Um, it went up. I think that's how that worked. Yeah. So and and then and then I feel like you also had an extended grieving process because there was San Diego and then again in NorCal with the rest of the family and things like that. Right. So that yeah, it's basically yeah twice I guess I had to try to speak to a crowd about it too and talk about my feelings. And that was really hard just because. I guess I don't really process them that often, but maybe going through this, it helped me open up and learn about myself. And I guess, I, I don't know, I don't, maybe I cry in public more often than I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> we did just cry over like what happened at Hurricane Harvey and like, you know, people helping other people. Uh, yeah, so that is true. It's, yeah. I think we have like skewed perspectives on how much we actually cry. <laughs> But um, only just the three of us oh. together. Yeah, we, we like, that collectively cry. Yeah, we collectively. I don't do know if you cried though. Like Julie, we didn't see you cry. I mean, <laughs> it was like a little a, a small dribble. 
not like Chris and me. We're like, <laughs> what you talked Ugly about, mm-hmm. um, like then versus now, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, back then it was, I think it was like an emotional overload and trying to figure out like everything in terms of like both like leading this from a logistic point of view and also trying to find time to, to grieve and and also hold back my emotions and trying to speak to all these people. And um, I think I watched like my family like cry a lot too, and that was hard. But today, I, I mean, it's been what, 13 years, something like that, oh 2004, right? Yeah. I'm coming on 14, so I think it's been, and my memories have definitely faded yeah, to some extent, I mean, there there are still some strong ones that that come back, but um, I think that my dreams of him have like are are very infrequent now. Hmm. Like, they used to be like once a week kind of thing. Like oh, wow. he would come in my dreams, and I'd be like excited to tell him something, wake up, realize he's not there. You know? Wow! For how long? I think the, like the first five years, maybe. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think my mom the same way. But I mean, Ken was very it was a very shocking thing. So cuz it was yeah, it was yeah, sudden. It was very sudden. Yeah. He was only 23 at the time. So. Wow. I remember being 23. I mean, yeah. do you remember being 23? <laughs> I was like barely an adult, I guess at that point. I feel like we were studying. No, no, no. I was back in LA. Yeah, I think I was working. Oh, yeah. I guess that's another thing. Like, like all the Ken was working at um, a company in San Diego at the time, and this is like a random story about <laughs> how I got an internship because I I ran into one of his old coworkers in a pool that I was swimming at. <laughs> Yeah, what? and he recognized me and asked me if I was Ken's brother. Oh, wow. This is after Ken passed away, and he helped me get an internship after that, and I got to meet all his old coworkers. Mm-hmm. So there was that part of it too, like all these people that I didn't know who were like telling me how great my brother was and and how much I missed him. So. Yeah, it's it's hmm. yeah, it's kind of nice that that those those memories live on right mm-hmm. um what do you think is your strongest memory from that time and is there anything that mm-hmm. I, I feel like this might be a weird question but i you know like is there anything that you wish you could forget like mm-hmm. i don't know sometimes sometimes i go through life and i i hit myself on the forehead because i remember something that I did wrong or I feel weird about or I'd hate, you know, and I'm wondering if there's any like regrets or things I'm like, really like telling like a silly story. Like that was personal to me, but then I realized the context of it was like kind of out of place. Like oh. it was just the story about like me um, learning. It was, it was a dishwashing story actually. Oh. <laughs> so and this goes back to the, back to that and ties that, and a nice bow <laughs> but um i was washing like a knife and i thought like this um sponge was thick enough to the point where it like the knife wouldn't cut through it sure so i was washing the edge and like holding it 
like tightly and and I cut my finger of course and Ken taught me how to wash a knife and I told that story and I was like that makes me sound like dumb but, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know it just came to mind for some reason like mm-hmm. I had to tell it and that was in front of that was at um, the U- at UCSD during that memorial service mm. yeah but, I don't know if I regret telling that but it was a personal story that felt like it needed to come out for some reason yeah yeah well yeah it was it was like a strong um memory for you um but i guess you're you're asking another question about like what's like the strongest memory Mm -hmm. um probably probably calling my mom like Mm. i think just hearing her scream at that time yeah and it's so much to take on for yourself. Like so many things changed in that one moment where yeah. it's like the loss and then you having to step up as like the messenger for your family or like you've, you already felt so quickly that that role shifted for you. Like it's my duty now to call my mom and it's my duty to call his work. And, and that's, yeah, it's a lot to take on and process like in that moment. So I'm sure that's a really strong memory and feeling. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely a shock to my system at that time. So I think my body remembers it all, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I, I got a chance to ask Anna, like, you know, because for her and what happened to her sister. So I don't know if I mentioned this, but... Um, you know, Anna's sister actually committed suicide. Um, she was 13, and um, I think Anna was like 18 around there. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was talking to Anna um, about that moment in her life and it being kind of like this, like everything in her life before that moment and then everything in her life after that moment and that being a particular milestone, like if she had any strong feelings around that, like sorrow or anger or frustration or being, you know, just being upset that mm. that is like her before and after moment like what how do you i guess how do you process that do, does that question even make sense <laughs> sorry like how do you process the that transition. moment or how do you, yeah like maybe even how do you feel that that is something that now marks your life i mean it is definitely a defining like milestone in your life and I think during that time, there's such an information overload, like you have to just like generalize things. And for me, I felt like I had to take on a new leadership role, you know, and Ken was definitely the leader of our family. Like I mentioned before, he was like the father figure to me, right? So without him there, and my dad wasn't, obviously wasn't much of a father figure in many ways, but I, th- I found myself like looking for people like Ken, you know, and and making friends uh, that were similar to him and looking up to them in that way until I finally like realized in myself that, you know, I needed to take charge and become a leader in my li- own life and kind of define that myself. But yeah, so it's, I think it, it, it was a big transition for me from kind of this follower that was always learning from Ken into someone who can finally like, you know, 
take take my own life into my own hands, you know? Where do you think that transition happened for you? It took a long time, actually. It probably wasn't until I, you know, faced my fears and went into doing my MBA, I think. Yeah. So it was... It's definitely out of my comfort zone to do that. It was only a year or two ago then. Yeah. Two, because you've been in your new job. For yeah, because I, I think I've always had some friend or boss or someone that I've kind of replaced Ken with in a way, at least figuratively and, you know, as a leader. Right. What What does that look like for you? What does it mean to, like, have, you know, like, be the own be your own leader in your life? I think it's... It's freeing in many ways. Like, I can finally like feel like my decisions um, make sense and have some value to them. As I think in the past, I was always looking for confirmation from other people and always second guessing whether or not I was making the right decision or not. And maybe I, that still comes up here and there. But I do feel a bit more confident like in making decisions now and that, I mean, maybe it's because I'm 33 now <laughs> and I've gone through enough things to realize that I have the, you know, the skill set and the leadership tools now to finally make good decisions that I think are good, you know. So it's more about my own judgment than someone else's. I think today it's... I guess it comes out more, maybe most in the workplace, because that's where I get to make any kind of decisions like that. Um, I feel like it's more comfortable to be more outspoken at work, um, to speak in front of like execs and and just be myself rather than trying to find the approval of you know a father figure all the time. I think that's that is what's freeing in many ways, um, and maybe in other relationships too even like in our marriage and everything too. I think it's easier for me to be confident in my decisions of where things are going. And yeah, it's, I think it opens up a whole other way of looking at life in many ways for me. The immigrants' kids have a lot of obligation, guilt, and responsibility to um, please their parents. Not necessarily to have good communication with their parents, not necessarily to um, have a good relationship with their parents, but just not to disappoint the parents. Hey, Badger here. You just heard an excerpt from my doc, The Laundromat. It's a personal exploration of the silence and shame in Asian American culture. If you want to hear more about it or watch it online, please visit thelaundromatdoc.com. That's T-H-E-L-A-U-N-D-R-O-M-A-T-D-O-C.com. Thanks. Julie, did you have any questions for Chris around kind of like, or or even what are ways that you see um, Chris like demonstrating like leadership? Well, I think like he was sharing, there's kind of been a journey that he's taken to grow into his own leader versus following in the footsteps of someone else. And... I think it's been symbolic in his career choices in terms of like with Ken, you kind of like he was an engineer and so you were an engineer and he wanted you to go to UCSD and then you went to UCSD and then 
like lately, like in the past three or four years, you've kind of decided to like take your own path and face some of the things that maybe you always thought were just qualities of maybe like Ken or your leader, leader role models, like, you know, even things like, like management, right. Or like public speaking was one thing that you were like really trying to confront in yourself and like making decisions. And, and then all these things I've, I've like witnessed you grow into and it's been, it's been cool to, I guess, be able to walk alongside you in your journey to, you know, and yeah, I mean, I think as much as Ken impacted you, um, it's almost like the absence of Ken has also really impacted you too in like leading you to, to who you've come to be. No, I do see that myself. So it's, it's definitely been a gradual growth. <laughs> it's been a very long journey, I think, in understanding myself and I mean, it's still a journey. It's still um, a work in progress, but I think it's exciting for me to turn this new leaf and really begin to understand who I am and who I can be. I'm going to talk over the train because I don't even care anymore. There's a train and it's going to go by. But I was curious um, when you, when I think about growth in my own life and who I'm supposed to be and who I want to be and all these things, I get frustrated. And was there any time? when you were kind of growing into um, Chris as his own person, you know, like as his own, as your own man, like was there any point where you're like frustrated with yourself or like you wish you were stronger or like wiser or things like that? Yeah, I think all the time. Like I, I think I was very aware of myself following someone and looking for approval, looking for confirmation and trying to, like, um, wonder why I couldn't make those decisions on my own. Mm. Like I, I was frustrated with second guessing myself all the time. Like it's as if I, I just didn't trust my, myself. Mm. It was weird. Sorry, you, um, sorry, did you finish that thought? No, yeah, that's, I think it's complete. (laughs) (laughs) And period. (laughs) Oh, and, 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 and one more, um, you mentioned MBA, like the MBA program that you went to, but I'm wondering, like, you know, that was like kind of an external thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like what was, was there like a, an event that triggered, um, that, you know, that grasping like, or. I think Julie kind of, um, hit the note on one of them. It was this public speaking class that I had to take and I think it really scared me. And it forced me to really practice and face my fears. And I think I did come out pretty successful in it. I mean, it wasn't like the best result, but it was way better than what I could, what I had expected myself to do. Mm. So that was definitely a step of growth. And I, I had a talk with my professor afterward because he wanted to know like how I thought like my own mm. growth was and stuff. And he, he asked me to grade myself and I said, Oh, I, 
I grade myself like a B plus or something, mm-hmm. you know. And unfortunately, he gave me a B plus. But <laughs> dang it, <laughs> like, oh, maybe I should have said A. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, we should all move through life like a mediocre white man. So you should have said A plus because you deserve it. Yeah, seriously, that's what I do in my performance reviews now. By the way, oh, <laughs> let them grade you down, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think the public speaking was kind of symbolic of. Finding your own voice. You like that? Oh, whoa. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Next level. Than, yeah. That's, that's something I couldn't even like, form in my mind. <laughs> because it's this idea that you you speak on your behalf and you're learning, like, versus somebody having spoken for you, right? Uh, and so uh, it was, I mean, that's my take on it. It's very perceptive <laughs> like, of you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also wanted to call, I was going to say historical because it's a like racial justice term, but like, like, you know, growing up, Ken had, yeah, like oh, Julie took all of my good <laughs> thoughts, you know, Ken had been doing the speaking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was an opportunity to um, come into your own as a public speaker, you know, what's, but I also want to acknowledge that. Um, one thing that I learned in the process of doing the doc, and maybe you did at the same time as you were saying it, was you know that y- you wanted to speak up for your brother, for your sister. Now mm-hmm. that you've, um, yeah, now that Ken wasn't there, right? Like you had to be the person who was gonna fight those battles for your family, um, and yeah, really advocate for certain things. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I think I brought it up at the doc that my dad asked me to be or told me that I'm like the head of the household now after my mom passed away. And I think that really, you know, triggered it even more. And But that was before the public speaking class. That was before that. Yeah. So maybe this is another milestone in that in this whole process. Uh, But it's. I I think that that was just a realization and not me following through with it yet. So this was like a a checkbox, maybe like saying like uh, the 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 reins are passed to you, but it wasn't me taking the action yet. Well, there were there were almost two moments where I feel like your dad delegated responsibility in a certain way, where he mm. said that you were the older brother now. Mm. True. And then um, after Ken passed, and then and then there was a moment when your your mom passed that um then you were head of household right mm-hmm. like you made decisions for the for the immediate family yeah which was kind of interesting to me now that i think about it today realizing that maybe my dad always deferred to my mom as the head of the household oh wow maybe that was what it really meant interesting you know? uh, yeah i mean there's so yeah. much there <laughs> um and it's uh, what i i mean like just even in like self-talk for me it's mm-hmm. it's nice to know that you know like you can want something and have a goal and even if it's given to you you know like you can take it for yourself and like come into your own and we've gotten to see that right like we've gotten to like witness that and Julie on a day-to-day basis um because that's that's one of those things that I'm like for myself like if I've set out to do something, like, I, I really just, you know, I want to change, like, overnight. I'm like, I'm resolved to do this. And then, you know, when it doesn't happen, I'm just like, Bleh! you know, like, yeah, flip a right. table. Yeah, this is kind of like a forced, a for, there was a forcing function in this that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, led the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Do you think, do you think, 
no. I'm not going to ask him what do you think would have happened if those things didn't happen. I think there's just too much there. Like, or like in not a positive way, right? Like it's kind of like, it doesn't make sense to, cause, cause I'm wondering like if there wasn't a forcing function, let's call it that. Like, you know, like what does that mean? You know, like, are we then not forced to become these people that we want to be? But I think it's kind of like, there's no answer to that question. Yeah. There's a lot of what ifs around that. that you just can't, define at this point i mean maybe it would have happened later or sooner or something else would have happened i don't know so it's it's hard to speculate around those things i think there's just yeah. not enough data it's true it's inconclusive Inconclusive. Yeah. julie sorry we'll definitely come back to chris because now because like also i want to talk about you as an older brother because oh, yeah. i think we've talked a lot um and you you address some of the the ways that you treated Joseph growing up, you know, that were affected by Ken. Um, but I would like to kind of talk about you being like twice older brother now, um, <laughs> in just a moment. But, um, Julie, I'm curious cause you've, you've not, not had a brother and now you have two brother-in-laws. And, um, I also think like, um, in observing Chris in his role as a brother, like what are some things that, um, like, if you had a brother in your life, like what would you have wanted? And then also kind of like, how do they as brothers kind of influence you? Two-parter. <laughs> <laughs> step by step. Well. You can answer them not in that order. Like if it's easier to talk about how they've influenced you. I think I see I, I've been able to see Chris and like because I came into your life after Ken passed away mm -hmm. I kind of have I know you I guess in that for that chapter of your life but I don't know if this actually is really answering your question no but, I love all of it whatever <laughs> it is but um, I I do see how everything has impacted Chris in that like I I think about that character in Harry Potter um, where it's like this creature that only you can see if you've lost someone that you love oh. it's like a like a horse or something like a skeleton it's horse not a is that the Luna love kid? yeah like no. she can see it and then Harry oh. can see it because he's went through loss but anyway sometimes I feel like that's how Chris is mm -hmm. like where because you've gone through so much loss like as a brother and also as a son too mm -hmm. that that really shapes your outlook on life and the way that you know that you approach family and the things that you value so that totally doesn't answer any any of your questions oh, that you asked yeah, me, no, but I, like I guess I asked myself a question and chose to answer that, which is what character I'll in Harry Potter <laughs> does Chris remind you? <laughs> and the answer is, oh, I almost ate the mic. The answer is Luna Lovegood. Yeah, <laughs> she was always the creepiest to me, but now I understand. <laughs> You're totally creepy. Yeah. Like Luna Lovegood. Yeah. I really like the name Luna, and I feel like that kind of ruined it for me. Like, oh. you know? Oh, no. Wait. But Chrissy Teigen's baby is also Luna, oh, so well, she kind of redeems oh, that's good. Luna and Sailor Moon. 
You're too young. That's fine. I'm going to require <laughs> myself to sleep. It's fine. I think that was one of the cartoons Joseph used to watch growing up that I didn't watch. What? I know. You missed out on Sailor Moon. Now you have to go watch the anime. I know. That. Sleep was more important to me, even at that age. <laughs> I'd like to talk a little bit about you and Joseph. And like, because you've always been in the older role. And then, yeah. um, um, but then you were, you're, do you, do you see yourself as Kaylee's? Like older brother, or you were like a second father figure, kind of like your brother. Mm, I'd have to say it was more like the father figure because I didn't really grow up in the same house as her. Mm. But Joseph did for a while. Like when my mom was sick, Joseph yes. moved home for a while, and he was kind of helping with Kaylee and you know playing with her and messing around with her. I never really had that relationship with Kaylee. It was, I think, I was just visiting here and there. Yeah, and, it's very, like, different yeah. kind of presence in her life. Yeah, trying to give her advice, emotional advice or whatnot. But I think it was it, it was a different role, challenging for sure. Right. I wasn't really sure how, how to step into that role either. But. Right. And, and not being able to have direct contact also kind of influences that, right? Yeah, I mean, we probably only see her, like, once every two or three months. Hmm. Right. Yeah. What do you, I mean, has Joseph ever talked to you about what it was like to kind of be her older brother? Mm, he doesn't really talk too much about his relationships, to be honest. Um, what have you observed? Uh, I feel like he, he does very much play the, the brother role. I mean, I don't think he's, like scolding her too much or Um, telling her what to do too often i mean growing up they were he was just messing with her like (laughs) yeah i I remember kind of wondering if he was going to take revenge on her um the way that you guys kind of teased you know like do you see i feel like we had a conversation um like this in the interviews but i don't Mm -hmm. remember what his answer might have been like like what he learned from ken and then I wonder if he took some of those things and passed them on, like, to Kaylee, you know, good or bad, from you and and Ken. Yeah, I mean, I was with Kaylee, I think if I compare, like, what I was doing with Kaylee and what Joseph was, Kaylee, I was trying to teach her math and, like, all these, all these, like, school-related subjects, Mm -hmm. whereas Joseph was pretending that the police were coming and he (laughs) would tell her that the police were outside trying to get her and she would get really scared. So I think she has a phobia of police, which I kind of wonder what what will happen when, if, when and if she starts driving and she gets pulled over for the first time. So, which is inevitable. I kind of imagine her like driving off, like on the run, you know, but on the lamb. Yeah. But, Joseph specifically, anything that you think he he took um, from his experiences with you guys in being in translating into being an older brother? Um, I think I feel like he kind of compares us, maybe because we're so different, Ken and I. Oh. Yeah, I mean Ken. <laughs> I, I just remember our at our wedding. Yeah, Joseph was our, my best man, and he mm. gave a speech, mm. kind of talking about the two of us. And Ken, growing up, Ken would uh, kind of force Joseph to give up his 
childhood um, things. Oh, no. <laughs> like, oh, no. he would walk into his bedroom with a garbage bag <gasps> and just fill it up with stuff, like his blankie. He had this clown blanket that was like, that it was pretty trashed. Like, all the cotton had come, go, gone to one corner. But Joseph still, like, held on to that thing. That was, that was the blanket he would How bring old downstairs. Was he? Uh, I think he was maybe in, like, fifth grade or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ken, like, took all his Pokemon cards and Pogs and everything like that. Pogs? No, not the Pogs. The pogs. <laughs> not the Pogs. Don't cross that line. Don't yeah, cross the Pogs. We spent so, money, so much money on those Slammers, you know. I know. Yeah, the Slammers. The Slammers were really expensive. Did you, did you used to go to Del Taco and get them? What? They have a Del Taco. Oh, I, I never... think I might have, yeah. Yeah. They had them bad, at no. Del Taco, like, when you buy a drink or something. Del, Co- Del Taco didn't come to my hometown (laughs) until like high school wait is it just la or is is that in the bay area (laughs) you make it sound like delta like your town was so bad that delta goes (laughs) probably afraid well come on now like the 209 let's not compare the cities we grew up in at all i mean i'm at a huge disadvantage (laughs) mean streets of arcadia what are you talking about (laughs) yeah i guess yeah Uh, there were some happenings there yeah, only to me. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, yeah. I, what were some of those other things that he compared the two of you on? I think he did um, realize that I was nicer to him overall. <laughs> I I kind of let him be who he is, or mm. who he yeah, let him be who he is. So I think he appreciated that. I don't think I was judging him as much. Um, Ken would often tell us to not take the things that my parents would offer us, mm. you know, because they don't—they never really bought things for themselves, and he recognized that. But Joseph, being the younger child, he kind of accepted all the gifts of love that my parents would ra- shower down on him. Mm. So. I mean, I, I guess I'm looking at the the difference of how Joseph and I took Ken's advice, whereas oh. I would always listen to it, and I was very obedient about it. But I think Joseph still had maybe more of a uh, he wasn't he wasn't really rebellious, but he he maybe thought more about whether or not something was right to him. Or it was not. maybe more independent. Yeah, maybe more critical of what people tell him. He's very much an observer. Yeah. Observer versus. I guess someone like a reactor or mm. a responder. How did you see your relationship change, like from the before and the after moment, and then even because it's been thirteen years, like from that moment to now. Well, I did have to take Ken's role in some, in many ways. I mean. Um. I think Joseph started looking up to me more rather than us being like kind of partners in a way, like us versus Ken in a, in some respect. Um, Joseph would defer to me for a lot of things, especially discussions with our dad or arguments with my dad. Mm. Like he, I think in one case he was like, well, I'm the younger brother. I don't have to do anything. So... <laughs> Yeah, that, that left it on my shoulders to figure out how to 
you know, deal with the situation. Sure. You're defusing a bomb or whatever, you know. <laughs> bomb squad. Yeah. Christine. Julie looks like she wants to say something. You leaned in. I just changed my seating position. Dang it. Do you, I mean, do you see any, any, any observations on your end? In the way that, because you came into the after moment, but I think it's been, you know, a few, few years now. Because even as Chris, you know, has changed and grown, you know, like, um, was it only like a month or two after that you got married that Joseph also got married? Three months after. Yeah. I got married in July. We were in April. Ooh, nice. It was like a secret quiz. Um, yeah, have you seen um, the relationship between Chris and Joseph change? Um, not, not significantly, I wouldn't say. Um, no, I think Joseph's role... Like his own role has changed a lot because he's mm. gone from brother and or just husband to father now too. Right. So I think that's a big change for him, and I I do see a lot of growth in that sense. Mm. Like he's a really good father, I think. So I'm I was pretty impressed by what how he's you know taken on that role much more than other other people. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not compare anyone, but just yeah. I'm like people to in my out life. Who you're talking about, What's but I'm like people. We yeah. <laughs> the following people are terrible fathers. Um, <laughs> and cut. Um, no, I. I wonder. You know, do you think? Do you think some of that can be credited to you or Ken, or is are there men in his life that you think he's gotten some of those skills from? Because you know, like they don't all come from us, right? They don't just come from nowhere. Yeah, like I wonder if Ken was a father figure to Joseph as much as he was to me. Like, I think Ken or Joseph has a lot of like men in his life, like at the church he goes to. You know, he has his brother-in-law, like Van, hmm. for example, who I think he looked up to him in many ways too, and they spend a quite a minute, quite a bit of time together. That's cool. Yeah, so uh, he said they're pretty close too, but. Yeah. And like so gentle too. I, I feel like it's a good match. <laughs> I think it's a good match too. So I'm glad that he has or they have each other. But Do you think um uh Joseph ever aggressively asks, you know, um his daughter to kind of um grow up faster? Um no, I don't see that too much. I I see him wanting to help her. Uh, a lot often but I think she she's actually quite stubborn and wanting to like do her own thing all the time oh my gosh yeah like I, no, I'm gonna put these pants on myself you know don't <laughs> get your hands away from me you know? <laughs> she's really industrious and yeah. talented it's like when she puts her mind to something yeah yeah there's no there's no one stopping her like you cannot get in her way like, she has great hand-eye coordination oh that's great. <laughs> and the fine motor skills. Yeah. They're all there. It's all that pl- video game playing that Joseph passed down that's, to her. That's what yeah. I was thinking. That's exactly what Sur- I think Surgeon about. hands, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Part of the process, too, of, like, growing into a new role as the oldest brother for Chris and then, like, the man of the household or whatever, I think it's also been not only taking the 
qualities that maybe you aspire to that Ken had, Mm -hmm. but also figuring out even maybe what you wanted to um, not leave behind, but like things that you wanted to make your own. Like you were saying, sometimes Ken would like tell you certain things. And then I think growing up, you took those things and were like, made your own choices, I guess, about Mm -hmm. the things that, you know, like how you wanted to handle things or like what you would do versus like what Ken might tell you to do. Yeah. If that makes sense. Can you give an example? Um, I can't even give an example because it's just like this abstract thought that I'm having. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Let's do the abstract. Always. Needs concrete. (laughs) Yeah. That's for, that's for people who actually want to live in the rural world. Real, real world? Rural world. (laughs) 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 Did you not forever? Oh, thanks for cutting me off, Julie. You were saying two things? No, I don't want to No, you don't go into that? (laughs) Whenever we want to interrupt each other now. Real world. Real real, world. I also have a problem saying Google, I realize. Google? Like, when I go, okay, Google. Like, your workplace? You see that? Okay, Google. Shut up. But I did want to talk about the impact that the documentary had, Navel, Fuzzy Navels, on kind of your process, because I think Mm. you touched on it. And um, it's not to say that, um, that, you know, this documentary is everything, but it's, 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 it was an important, the documentary happened at a specific time in your life. And then it, it kind of helped you process and I think you had a question for me that we had talked a little bit about offline too so um which one are we gonna go with I could start with the documentary first yeah let's do it yeah so I think we first shot maybe six years after my brother passed away right Mm -hmm. so I think by that time I had probably not thought about it and not processed it too much I think I originally had just gone through the stages of grief and everything and I was ready to move forward. I mean, um, not that I wanted to forget Ken in any way, but just that I think things were in, in my life were moving forward and I had to either move with it or, you know, felt feel left behind or whatnot. So I I felt like I never really got a, uh, a chance to fully process it. And, by you bringing up you know, the the documentary and the opportunity to really dig deep into it, I, f- I felt like it was a really good opportunity to, I guess, uh, reveal those things within myself. And I, it was very therapeutic, I think, because I had never gone to therapy or anything like that um, to really discuss it with anyone. Um, I don't know if I've really discussed it with anyone since oh before that oh right had anybody asked you like reached out to talk about it or 
I didn't know Juliet, so probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe like a, like some of our friends, maybe like Evelyn mm. here and there. But yeah, nothing as comprehensive as the documentary for sure. <laughs> nothing felt as torturous <laughs> as that, I'm sure. Um, but, you, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just thinking about how the, the, the process of it and and the peeling of the layers and everything and how I felt before and after. And I think that it did give me perspective on the value of really seeing all that happened through like, like the eyes of someone else, like someone else's questions about it versus my own. And it did help me process it, I think. And it helped me understand like where I was at that point with it. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned it revealed things within you. When you mm-hmm. talk about that, do you think that you had already known them and you were kind of waiting for a chance to talk about them? Or was it something that you hadn't even, that had lain hidden for you as well? Yeah, I think it was more of a hidden thing. I I don't feel like I usually try to talk to these things about, with other people. It's, it's kind of rare. I think Julie can speak more to that of, in terms of me not like willingly sharing things it usually takes like time to dig or some other event to to trigger like um the ideas to come out mm-hmm. i think they're like i said they're they tend to be compartmentalized and like tucked away somewhere deep in the recesses of my mind sure. and yeah i think having you ask those questions um it kind of slowly pulled them out. And I, I need to use my gestures yes. right now and touch things. Yeah. Uh, but, so uh, to to the, all the listeners, he just, he literally, it looked like you were pulling Kleenex out of a box. Yeah. Was that what it was? Were you yeah, looking it was, Kleenex? It, it was you more like pulling thoughts out of your my mind. It mm. kind of made me think of another Harry Potter reference, like Albus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what what are those called? The, with the tap your wand it's on your... The pensive. <gasps> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It makes me sound like a muggle. I only watched the movie, so, you know. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Would you, I know that we had discussed it a little bit in, um, during the documentary pr- pr- process, but um, have you gone to therapy since? And if not, are you going to, or are you considering it? I haven't gone to therapy. I thought about it a lot of times, but I just haven't gotten myself to, you know, make an appointment or call a number. I mean, work, my work offers like eight free sessions too. And I just haven't, I just guess I haven't done it. I don't know. Maybe I'm afraid of it. Maybe that it's going to, you know, reveal even more about myself that I don't know if I want to know about just yet. Yeah, there's, I don't know how, like, um, justified all those fears are. Maybe they're, they're less weighty than, than they, than I make them out to be. Like Uh, it's, it's just shoes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And maybe, maybe I question if I need it, but then I, I like come to situations with, with um, my dad as well, that these are more like, um, I guess, 
things that are more recent happenings that I feel like I need to deal with also in addition to Ken and my mom. So when those things happen, I feel like, you know, therapy would be a good tool for me to take advantage of. But I just haven't, you know, I guess gotten serious enough to go forward with it. No judgment here. It took me like four years after the documentary was yeah. done. I mean, the whole documentary <laughs> took four years. So um, was it, was it like, were there a lot of fears going into the documentary process? And I'm wondering if you can transfer those thoughts into what therapy might be. Hmm. I mean, I, felt, I think I felt safe knowing that it was going to be with you, someone I knew, someone who I had talked to, to some, you know, level of depth with. And I think, I guess in my mind, therapy is with this stranger that you don't know. Mm. And they're, you're spending a lot of time just trying to get to know each other. And there's a lot of barriers and obstacles there before you actually get into the meat of it all. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. I think the documentary maybe work as a catalyst to get there. But at the same time, it's probably the, the comfort of the person that I'm talking to, which will stifle things the most, I think. Right. Sometimes yeah. it's easier to open up to an anonymous person, really? too. That's true. Versus That's... someone you know. But I see what you're saying, too. Because you have to build rapport. You have to find the right therapist. Yeah. And you yourself have to feel ready for it. Although when I was talking about if I should go to therapy, Julie, you were like, when will you feel ready? And I was like, whoa. Did I say that? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Maybe not like that, though. Like, it wasn't like, when will you feel ready? It was more like, well, when do you think you'll feel ready? Like, it was like a genuine question. It's like, yeah, you're right. Like, I can keep wondering when mm. is the right time mm -hmm. you know if i'm thinking about it then maybe mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no definitely a lot of fears around that like even now sometimes i'm like oh, i have to think of something to say during mm. session and it's like once i get there it's like so easy but sometimes i feel like come in with like an agenda not like a not like an agenda to like ulterior motives but like come in with like talking points <laughs> you know it's like so silly because mm. Like now I'm at the point with my um, therapist where I feel like we've got a good rapport, there's trust and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I told her things that I haven't told people that are like, you know, like, like there are things that I've told her that I definitely haven't told Julie. Julie just doesn't know. What? <laughs> I'm definitely going to reveal them on the podcast right now. When will you be ready to tell me? <laughs> So many confrontations happening in this podcast. We should definitely confront Julie about something, though. Okay, Chris will think about it. Um, oh, I, said, oh, I thought I you had an actual thing to confront her about, but I actually had to make something up. Okay. We're moving into the confrontation yeah, portion this, of This is actually an intervention. Podcast. Chapter three. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of curious about your you and your brother's relationship especially when he, after he watched your doc and realized like mm. that you had gone through some things like depression or, or you had some depression. Do you feel like after talking about that, you guys were able to, you guys had a deeper relationship all of a sudden, or was it more like a couple doors had been opened up and that had now, I mean, it's been like 
six years since no how many years has it been since you released five your doc five years, years. <laughs> five i think it's i think i officially like in my head for some reason 2012 was the year that i finished because that's when i graduated but oh. i think it was still a work in progress in some ways yeah i was probably officially finished in 2013 so i have one more year until it's the five-year anniversary of my talk oh, wow. which feels like a lot but um to answer your question i think that it was more like it was more like the latter where like we knew that we could open up about more things versus like I don't know if we had an, a direct discussion about the depression mm. or um, some of the content of the doc. Because what I did was I sent them the link, like both my siblings, and they're like, hey, so your pictures are in this doc, and I'm going to be releasing it soon. I wanted to let you know. And actually in the doc, I never really talk about my siblings, but my sister was the only one who wrote back. Oh. Yeah. And that was interesting. Um, and it wasn't confrontational at all, but she had questions. And then, um, yeah, but I think since then, especially since my brother was in um, social work, there was there's a sense of like, oh, we can talk about certain things, mm. you know. Like um, I was mentioning before, like family dynamics. And um, back in college, it was like more of an appreciation. But I think now, like, we're looking at our parents and they're getting older and it's like, you know, like you know, and it's less about like, hmm, less about like, like, oh, what are they, you know, when they're both retired, like what's gonna happen? It's it's very, it's more like on an emotional level, like, oh, how are they doing as seniors and things like that. And thinking about um, on a more abstract level, right? Um, and talking about those kinds of things. So hmm. yeah, it's been a nice process because then you feel like, like, oh, I'm not the only one in the family that feels this way, you know, like, because there's just things that, like, I'll observe and then I'll kind of check in with him, like, hey, did you notice this? Like, and it's not just our parents, but it's, like, our full family. Because I think um, it's one of those things that's complicated to um, navigate. Obviously, you know what I'm talking about. Like, just mm -hmm. family is a strange animal. And I think having somebody who is there to talk with you that is family because it's like it's one thing to tell you know like you know you or julie but then it's another thing to say to my brother like hey what are we gonna do about this you know because we're both on the inside and we have to like band together you know and it's not like you know your family's in crisis but you really just want to make sure that you're showing up as like a good son or a good daughter um or a good you know sibling or a good you know auntie or uncle or something like that yeah. so I think, um, yeah, it's like hashtag adulting together, you know, and then like, and then I'll ask him like stupid things like advice on like getting a good workout and stuff like that, you know? So, um, wait, what was your question? <laughs> it was just whether or not. Oh, after the, the dock. Yeah, the how, dock had how, opened up doors for you guys. Yeah. And it was different for everybody, you know, like I'd yeah. say the same with my parents, although we've had mm. more direct discussions about that kind of stuff and the way that we communicate, I think is better. Um, and I think across the board, that's true, wow. you know, um, for my parents and my brother, I think it was the dock. And I think for my sister, it was when she had kids that our dynamic changed 
for the better, you know, just kind of like softening our relationship a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think it's been, um, it's been great to have a younger brother. And like, I always feel like I'm turning into an older sister for a lot of people. Um, Mm. and I just, I like to mentor, but I think about what it would have been like to have an older brother. Um, and I had those growing up at church, but since then it's kind of like, kind of dropped off. And I wonder sometimes about, you know, my lack of like, um, more of a mentor, like a male mentor, mostly because like right now, like I've always sought out like more female mentors, like people who have gone Mm. before me either in career or like how they want to live their Christian life or like, do you know know what I'm saying? Like there's different Mm -hmm. mentors that you kind of posit, you know, like this person has already been an Asian American female sorry, Asian American woman filmmaker, um, and does documentary. Like I want to know what her process was. Right. And I think, um, it'd be nice to have an older brother to kind of like check in. That's someone that's not a peer. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? I mean, I know that, um, we're, we're celebrating a lot of the growth where you didn't have to seek approval from someone else. I mean, I'm wondering though, if you, if you have started to look for a mentor, um, or an older brother figure. Yeah, I think I still have like those types of friendships in my life where I can, you know, draw on those like experiences, like um, mentor type relationships. So those are always there, but I feel like I don't have to rely on them as much. Hmm. Rely on them. Yeah, I guess there's a difference, right? Like to seek advice or mm-hmm. to kind of seek approval, mm-hmm. right? Um, what about you, Julie? Have you, do you have any like, um, mentors in your life that that you've really treasured over the years, um, whether they be male or female? I don't have a mentor figure that comes to mind. I mean, I guess it would be my sister. Shout out to my big sister, Val. <laughs> no, you have to <laughs> she choose... gets three shout outs. I know. You have to choose somebody else because I feel like <laughs> this has been... This has been disappointingly one note. Should I pick one for you? <laughs> I mean, I I do feel like I, if it's not my sister, I guess it would be my parents. Mm. Shout out to my mom and dad <laughs> if you're out there listening. <laughs> Thanks for everything. This now it's turning into coast again. <laughs> I just want to set dedicate this song to yeah. uh, my parents because I've actually never really had many male either mentor figures or. Um, even like friendships, I guess, mm. in my life. I mean, other than my dad. So wait, are you for- friends with your parents? Oh, the mm. question. I think as an adult, I feel like I uh no. Oh, you were gonna say I yes. know. Well, so I was, close. but I don't think that would have been a first. My parents will. I don't think parents can really be fr- friends. What? I mean, they can, but... <laughs> you, mean, you mean to their sons and daughters, right? Yeah. I mean, our relationship <laughs> has changed as an adult. I mean, like, as me being an adult. You're an but, adult child, yes. Yeah, adult child. Um, but I, they... I still see them as, like, guiding figures for me. Hmm. Do you think they see you as a child still? I don't think they do, actually. Like, my mom told me, she's like, once you turn 18 and we said bye to you from college, she was like, I thought to myself, 
I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> she did say yeah. that. She told me that. I was like, oh, I wasn't thinking that. <laughs> I feel like we're definitely children at like 19 to 29. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> like fully till you're like 29. And then something about 30, you're like, oh, okay. No, no, to straighten up and fly right. <laughs> Actually, oh, you're back wrong. to back to navel gazing. Like, what did you think about the documentary process? Because you you didn't necessarily have to sit in for all of it for that first part. You were just like, what's happening? But then the second part, you definitely got plunged into whatever this documentary journey was. Well, I thought it was really cool to have. Because I went to, I, you know, me and you, we, we were in grad school, yes, yes. and that's how we met. And then so that's when the documentary was born. So I, it was cool to be able to see it from, like, just an idea. And then it was always this, like, vague concept. I was like, what's, what's she really up to? Like, what's she doing? I'm secretly working <laughs> yeah. in a lab. Like, I mean, you know, and I only <laughs> was really there for Chris's side, but I didn't even really know what Chris's side was going to be like until I, I watched the whole thing. Mm. And it was, it was cool to be able to see everything that you had been working on. And it was like, it's really representative of your heart and soul kind of and to be able to see that like yeah i know (laughs) everybody got uncomfortable when i said that by the way uh don't make eye contact (laughs) no but it's like it's it's cool to see like uh, something that represents who you are and you know like like everything that you're passionate about and like everything you've been working i'm trying to affirm you (laughs) i know and i can't take it i can't take it Uh, Anyway, if so. you were April, you would yell at me. You'd be like, "Just take it, Vanessa." I'd be like, okay. <laughs> Sorry. So you were affirming me. Go on. I love it. <laughs> so that was my process. Do you? Did you get to see anybody change? Like Chris or me? Or in the process of yeah, right? Did it yeah. change you? Changes. <laughs> All I see are racist faces, misplaced hate, makes the root. Okay. A little Tupac for us. Um, did I see anybody in, like, did yeah. I see you and Chris change since the documentary? Mm, no, through the, through the documentary oh, and since then. Oh. Um, it's okay to say no. Not necessarily ch- change the way that I saw you guys oh, or myself. No. Less, not, less about that's not the, that's not. perception and more about, like, did you see, like, you knew me before the doc, and then you you got to see the process of the doc, and then finally the doc being done. And then now we're at, like, whatever, almost almost five years later. Five years. Um, like, any, any changes that you've observed since then? <laughs> like, in me? Or, like, in you? Anything. All, all, all three of us. Oh, <laughs> Because we're, we're all in this together. Okay. Um, I'm like prolonging this um, question and answer <laughs> like is so it, much. No, that's fine. I mean, is it, is the question unclear because you're trying to buy yourself time? No, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what the, what the question was. <laughs> um, I think the documentary, it brings out a lot of questions 
and dialogue about mental health. I think, like for me, I that's kind of my world because I'm I'm a social worker and I used mm-hmm. to be a mental health therapist. But I think a progression I've seen is it's just kind of built into our conversations together or having, mm-hmm. you know, like open discussions or dialogue about mental health related issues and it's kind of opened the door in that way do you think personally it's done anything i I feel like it may have accelerated the amount that you knew about chris Hmm. in terms of his inner life and i'm not taking credit (laughs) but i am (laughs) for your awesome relationship it helped a few things, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that I, like, honestly, it's it's been a while since I've seen it, so I'm just trying to remember. But, yeah, I mean, there were definitely moments that I, I was able to watch Chris share his story as a viewer, and so that, you know. Mm-hmm. And actually, so I'm in the documentary for, like, two seconds. Three, I feel like three. Yeah, and then I say something in there, and then I actually don't even really remember, like, saying that. Oh. Like, but then I watched it, I was like, oh, that was deep and then I thought about it and then my parents actually saw the documentary too and they totally like heard that one sentence I said and then they came back and like we talked about it Um, and they were like yeah is it the um fear is what yeah I basically I say something like we work so hard to build like our own reputation or like you know your own image. To, yeah, to manage the way that people see us and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So my dad actually, like, saw it and then thought about it for, like, five days. And then, you know, called me and he was, like, he's, like, asking me if I thought maybe the way that I was raised or, like, something that mm-hmm. he had unconsciously projected to wow. me, like, that, that kind of led to that, mm-hmm. you know, belief that I had. So. That's thoughtful of him. um i'm sure there's on some level yes just because we you know we are kind of a product of our environment and we pick up things from our family that we don't realize we pick up and they don't realize they pass down to us too sure yeah i'm trying to think about how you recently showed your doc again and people we know in our life have seen it and how that kind of like brought it back into the forefront of our minds for a moment. And I guess it helped me realize how like impactful it is for, for other people too, not just the people that are um, in it, but them recognizing me and seeing me in a different way Hmm. too is that scary um not too no not really well maybe because i kind of forgot what i said in it (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing i definitely say i'm depressed so sometimes i get nervous you know yeah maybe it's more about me worrying about what i said about my dad in it but Mm. i kind of forget what i said in there too but so I just fine. remember him, <laughs> yeah, I just remember him saying, or 
me not wanting to him to see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think there was some fear there, but besides that, it was. I think it would be all right. But for our relationship, mm, I mean, I think from the start we were pretty open and and maybe this just gave us more insight into our relationship. I don't know if there was anything additional because I guess having Julie in the filming process, she got to see those things and it was open for discussion since I was already talking about them in the, in the doc filming process. Right. Well, that makes sense. Would you want Kaylee to see it? Hmm. Yes. I think it'll be important for her. I think... I think it would help maybe help her understand herself hmm. a little bit more. Just the... I don't know, just the overall experience of life, you know? How not everyone's this perfect person that they see on the Disney Channel. Hmm. Yeah. So I think that's really what's shaping um, what she thinks of people and how you're supposed to be. Hmm. Yeah, maybe there's beauty in imperfection. I hope so, because... Yeah, (laughs) I know. (laughs) Not so perfect over here. Um, Hmm. Because I've never thought about that, you know? Like, I've never, like, wondered, like, what would it be like for, you know, Kaylee to see? Yeah. Whole other generation to see it. I mean, I think these are issues that people will always continue to deal with. It may open the conversation for her someday. Yeah. That's what you, we really want, right? Julie's on her phone. She's done. I'm I'm looking up a, like a inspiring quote we can end on. Oh, perfect! About brothers. So this is this is yeah. exactly what oh, good, I needed because I'm terrible. Yeah. Julie's obviously like got this in the bag. Well, I I do want to thank you both for being on this and giving me your time and obviously like when things got hairy in the in between. Um, <laughs> in between. We persevered place, though. Persevered. Yes, persevered. Um, and I had to like look things up on the internet and then also throw things on the floor and have a tantrum, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I thank you again. I mean, obviously it's not only just Thanks like... for having us. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks, Julie. Um, you know, like it's obviously like not only are you giving your time, but you're also like kind of giving, you know, our hearts stories. and souls. Heart and souls. <laughs> so yeah, I had to like make it not as intense by like singing a silly song. <laughs> Heart and souls. Um, yeah. So thank you very much. Um, Julie, I think you're going to play us off with a quote. Yes. Um, begin quote. <laughs> a brother shares childhood memories and grown up dreams. End quote. Can you unpack that for us? <laughs> Who's the? No, I, that's just, it's that's just it. a quote. Yeah. It's an an anonymous quote? It's from Unknown. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, man. This so is the best I may, quote ever. may or may not have just made that up right now. I know, right? Just kidding, I didn't. I Googled it. 
<laughs> There's a lot of weird brother quotes online. Oh no! Why are they I had weird? to sift through a lot. That was like the best one I could Is find. Is it like brothers turning into enemy kind of quotes? Like it's, what was happening? I don't. I, they just don't even make sense. Sister quotes are much better. Yeah. Right. Same. Sisterhood. Sister, sister. <laughs> okay. Well. Um. Thank you. I think. Um. I think we need to turn the AC back on. <laughs> All right. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you.